this morning I would like to title my sermon as Be an Encourager. Can you say that? Be an Encourager. So let's quickly look at the definition for what is encouragement. If you turn into any dictionary, the, the, the definition for encouragement is, is this, what we see. The action of giving someone the support that he needs or the confidence that probably he is lacking or the hope that he needs to continue his life on this earth. There are many people in this world, they are living a hopeless life. Many people in this world, they don't have confidence in their life. An encourager, what an encourager will do, he or she will do, is to give support and give confidence and give strength and give hope for those who do not hope, have hope and strength. There are a couple of synonyms, which I just put that you know, to give an idea. It's nothing but cheering up, uplifting, inspiring someone, rallying and motivating someone, stimulating someone to do something, invigorating or emboldening, fortifying. These are a couple of synonyms for the term what is not called as encouragement. Now if you look at the root you know, term which is used in Bible quite often, it's known as paraclete. Can you say paraclete? Paraclete is something, you know, it's somebody who comes alongside of us to help. In a para, para means beside, near, next to us, next to, alongside. Kaleo means to call or to summon. So parakaleo, that means, you know, calling somebody to just to stand with you as a support, as a strength. A paraclete is someone who is called to just walk alongside of somebody who needs some counsel, who needs some support, who needs some help, who needs some direction, who needs some comfort. You know, this is the exact term which is used to refer Holy Spirit because he's the comforter. He's an encourager. He gives us strength. You know, one thing all of us need today is encouragement. Yes? All of us. No matter who we are, now we may be a teacher in the school, we may be a software engineer, or we may be a plumber, or we may be a carpenter, or we may be a goldsmith, or we may be a shopkeeper, or we may be a pastor. Whoever you are, we all need what? Encouragement. Without encouragement, nothing will Move, nothing will happen. We all need encouragement. I want you to imagine the sports event, some of the sports events. We have, whom we have in sports events to encourage? We call them as? Okay, audience. So sometimes the audience are like you, right? So we need whom? We need cheerleaders. We need cheerleaders to encourage. Have you seen cheerleaders? Such beautiful young girls and boys. You know, just uh, staying at the side of the line right. and cheering when the home team is, you know, winning. What do they do? Cheer up, cheer up right? I think I don't. Have, I didn't bring that. That the stuff we used to. Yeah. How do you do that, Germany? This way? Okay. Germany is just doing this way, right? So, so we all do it this way, right? <laughs> like last week, uh, Dan and uh, my wife they went for the hockey match. The Moosehead was playing, right? 
So they went to see the hockey match, and they brought something which is, I forgot to bring that today. So that's, what's that? Yeah, so whatever, pom pom or you know, whatever, that's not pom pom, something else, okay, forget it. So <laughs> that's something which you use to cheer, right? So, you know, they basically, what do they do? They just cheer up the team, the dwelling team, right? Either they may be just going towards the goal or they may be just about to win or, you know, they, they, they cheer up the team. So we need some cheerleaders at the church too. It's a good idea. Yes, very good idea, right? So we'll have some cheerleaders at the church too. So we all need encouragement. And remember, this cheerleading is no more an encouraging activity. Cheerleading is a sport by itself. Um, it, it's, you know, it, there, are, there are competitions, there are sports events for cheerleaders. March 24th and 25th, Halifax had a cheerleader comp competition. National championship was held in, in, in Halifax. There are uh, to more than 2,500 athletes, cheerleaders, were in Halifax Forum. Right? So cheerleading is a very important event in the sports event. Just to cheer them up. What about in workplaces? The great performers in the workplaces, they are recognized at the end of the year and they are awarded. They are recognized for their great performance. In schools, the students who perform really good, they are honored, they are rewarded and they are appreciated with scholarship like uh, Priya got a scholarship, right, for the performance. So everyone needs some kind of encouragement. Without encouragement, nothing will move. Even in church, we need encouragement. When the preacher preaches the word of God, we need where response back, you know, you can, you can imagine, you know, how much I struggle here without getting a proper response from you at times, right? So I need a response from you so that I can preach encouragement. All of us in need of great encouragement. What about children? They need encouragement. Morning, you wake them up, wake them up, they don't get up. You need to know that, you know, you need to go to be at the church at nine o'clock for practice. No, they don't get up. You need to wake them up, wake them up and throw Okay, water, okay. Water on their face and just, you know, sprinkle water on their faces and just get them up so that, you know, they can come here for the practice. Encouragement. All of us need encouragement. Wives need encouragement too. They need encouragement and motivation from their husbands to dress well. Right? And to straighten their hair every Sunday morning. They need encouragement to maintain their health, to continue to good, make, cook good food. They need encouragement, otherwise it will not happen. We need to encourage. Encouragement is needed for everybody. Even husbands, they need encouragement. They need to be praised always. They don't want you to praise somebody else's husband in front of them. They want you to praise your own husbands. All of us need encouragement. You know, Bible says our God is a good encourager. Can you say that with me? Our God is a good encourager. I'm reading from Psalm 10, verse 17. Psalm 10, 17. You, Lord, you can read that with me. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. Our God is a great encourager. Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says, For who, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Scripture always encourages us. 
You know, many times when we are dull and so, so discouraged, we just go and open the word of God and we see word of God coming alive. God speaks to us. Our God is an encourager. Romans 15, 5 says, may the, good, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus. Our God is an encourager. And our God is an encourager. And God wants you and me to encourage somebody. You know, this morning I'm not talking about getting encouraged. I think we are all encouraged. Are we? Yes? Are we encouraged? Are we tired? No. We are all encouraged. But now it is time to encourage somebody else. This morning we are talking about how do we encourage someone else? If God is an encourager, God wants us to be an encourager too. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 11 says, Therefore, listen to this, Paul says, Therefore, read this with me, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Are we doing this morning? Are we encouraging somebody? You know, Paul says, we need to encourage, we need to build them up, just as we are doing. You know, it is easy to slash somebody down. It is easy to put somebody down. It is easy to speak a word and put that whole life down all the day. But God wants us to what? Encourage someone. And Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but what? Encouraging one another. I'm reading from ESV. Encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day is approaching, day drawing near. It is very important to come together and to look at each other, talk to each other, and to encourage each other. How are we going to do that quickly? How are we going to do that? There are three ways we can do that. Number one, by words. Can you say words? How can we encourage somebody? By our words. Number two, by our action. Number three, by prayer. Can you say that with me? Work. Sorry. At work. Sorry about that. It's word, not works. Words and action and prayer. Can you say that again? Word, action, prayer. W-A-P. Will you remember? W-A-P. Right? It's not wireless application protocol, but it is word, action, and prayer. How can we encourage somebody? Somebody is waking you up in the middle of the night and asking you, how do you encourage somebody? We need to say, WAP. Okay. We need to say word, action, prayer. So these are the three means we can encourage somebody. Let's talk about word. How can we encourage with our words? How can we encourage somebody with our words? Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our words have power to hurt somebody. Our words have power to heal somebody. Our words have power to encourage somebody, and our words also have power to destroy somebody. Death and life are in the power of our tongue. Sometimes people ask, why do we need to speak in tongues? Right? So we say, for this reason, death and life are in the 
power of tongue. If you don't give your tongue to Jesus, people, what we'll do? We will discourage and destroy people around us. God has to take control over your tongue. God has to speak through your tongue, his word, encouraging words. So we see death and power are, death and life are in the power of tongue. And also Proverbs 10:11 says, the mouth of the righteous is the fountain of life. The mouth of the righteous is the fountain of life. That means when you speak encouraging words, we speak what? Life. When you speak encouraging words, we speak life into someone's life. You know, in the early church, I want to you know, take you back to you know, some of the old churches. In the early days, Acts, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15, verse 32 says, in the early church, and Judas and Silas, who were themselves, what? Prophets. What did they do? Encourage and strengthen the brethren with many words. You know, God wants us to encourage and strengthen our friends, our fellow brethren, with many words. You know, that's what was happening in the early churches. In the early church, people were talking to each other and they were encouraging each other. Because we all need encouragement. We all need encouragement. You know, that's the reason I say every time, before you leave from this place, shake somebody's hand and speak a word of encouragement. You know, this morning I believe, you know, God speaks to us. God is speaking to us. We need to practice that in our life. I need to do that in my life. And all of us need to do that in our lives. Shake somebody's hand. Talk to them. And can you speak a word of encouragement? You know, that will bless somebody. There are many testimonies we can think about. We need to do that. You know, most of the time I also say that just don't, don't just, you know, come in circle with the known friends. We need to meet somebody whom we have never met. Strangers. They need the touch of God. If you don't go and touch their hands, you don't go and touch them. How do they get the love of Christ? How do they get the love of God? You know, today, it's, it's a sidetrack here. I just wanted to, you know, tell this this morning. Today, the concept of church is misunderstood. Listen to this. We see people building churches for their own community. Have you seen that? People building churches for their own language. People building churches for their own religion. Okay, of course, the religion of their own nationality. A church is a common place. A church is a common place. We cannot really build a church for one language. I'm against that. Totally against that. Listen to this. It's important. It's biblical. I'll tell you why. We cannot build a church for only one nationality. Church is a common place. We cannot build a church for only one community. Think about the first church in Acts chapter 2 verse 7. What was happening in Acts chapter 2? Remember that? The Holy Spirit came upon the 120. They were gathered together. And who are all watching? These are Galileans sitting there and speaking in tongues when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Acts 2 7. What happened? Then they were all amazed. The people surrounding them, listen to this very carefully. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one in our language in which we were born, who are all there surrounding Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, and Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, adjoining Siren, visitors from Rome, both Jews 
and the proselytes, the Greek-speaking Jews, and Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speak in our own tongue the wonders, wonderful words of God. People from different languages, different nationality, surrounding the 120, listen to this, very important, 120, and listening them speaking in their own language. Peter stood up in the middle. Peter started preaching now the word of God. How many got saved on that day? 3,000 people got saved. All these who were turned, listening, standing and listening, 3,000 people got saved on the day. Church is not built for one language. Church is not built for one, only not for the Galileans. Church is a common place built for everybody. Any jung- any, anybody who is living in the jungle can walk into the church and praise God. And praise God. Forget it. Think about the church in heaven. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. John is looking above. John is looking above. And this is what he's seeing after these things. I looked and behold... He saw the church in heaven, a great multitude which no one could number of all nations. The church in heaven contains people from all nations, not only the people who speak our own language. No, that's not the church. Church in heaven contains all the nations and all the tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb of God, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Church on earth constitute multinationals. Church in heaven constitute multinations and tribes and tongues. You know, that's how the Old Testament church was. And that is what is the church has to be today. And that's the church going to be. Church needs encouragement. How do we encourage? Go and meet somebody and encourage them. When you go in the mall, just, just, just go and meet somebody and encourage them. Just talk to them. Open up a conversation. Just do not close. Just do not close. Paul tells the church in Thessalonica, there are many people died in that church because of age. And they were all worried. Lord, I'm just losing my family members. I'm just losing my loved ones. And Paul was preaching them. Paul was telling them, do not worry. Lord God is going to come back to this world. When Jesus comes back to this world, those who died in Christ, those who died in Christ, they are going to rise. And those who are alive, we are also going to be caught up into the heavens. And finally, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You know, before we bury somebody into the grave, we throw mud on them and say that, you know, we, I'm just giving them because I just consider them as a mud. That's where they came and that's where they are going now. But then we'll read the scripture portion that Jesus is going to come back and tell them, be encouraged. Look at the wife who is crying because she just lost her husband. Look at the, look at the, look at the child who just lost his or her father. Tell him, one day we are going to see. Do not cry. Just be encouraged. Encouragement is very, very important. Our words have to encourage others. Just want to throw somebody who's the most discouraging woman in the Bible. Any idea? The most discouraging woman in the Bible. Good. Job's wife. What did she say? Job 2.9. 
Then his, then his <coughs> wife looked at Job and said, Do you still hold fast with your integrity? Do you still hold on to your faith? Curse God and die. Curse God and die. What a discouraging word that is. You know, God wants us to speak encouraging words. Uh, by the way, Nehemiah, who was an encourager, he came and saw the, the city of Jerusalem, the walls of Jerusalem are broken and people are kind of, you know, totally discouraged because they say that they think that the enemy can walk into their places at any moment. There is no protection. Nehemiah came there and told them, come on, let's build it. Let's build it. You know what people said? People also responded saying, come, let us build a wall. A great encourager. So number one way to encourage people is by our words. Let's speak a word of encouragement. Nobody wants to hear a word of encouragement early in the morning when you get up from the bed. Nobody wants to get a word of discouragement from your spouse. Speak the word of encouragement. Before we go to bed, speak the word of encouragement. Nobody knows when someone's end is going to come. Let's speak the word of encouragement. Number two, how do we encourage others? By our action. So it's not important, not enough, if you keep speaking good words. We also need to do good action to encourage others. Can you say action? Let's read from Acts chapter 16, verse 40. After Paul and Silas came, to, came out of prison. Where they are coming out from? From prison. So what they were enjoying? They were just sitting like you sit in the prison? No, right? What do they do in the prison? They were singing. They were praising God. But they were also beaten up and thrown into the prison. They are thought that they are dead. Their body is full of pain. And they were in the prison. They just came out of the prison. And where, they, where did they go? They went to Lydia's house. What did they do? Where they met with the brothers. And what did they do? They encouraged them. They encouraged them. They are just coming out of one struggle. You know, we, we go through many different struggles in our lives. When we come out of one struggle, we think that, oh, it's all done. Oh my God, I'm just out of it. But you are out of it for a reason. You are out of it for a reason, not to just come on Sunday morning and praise God and thank God and give a testimony. You are out of it for a reason because you need to go and encourage somebody. Did you hear that this morning? You need to go and encourage somebody. Do not just keep that within you because you know, the more you keep within you, you will become useless, really. And God wants us to be used. A little child, I used to say this often, a little child came home from her neighbor's house where her little friend died. The little girl, four years girl. And for father asked her, why did you go? Why did you go to that house? And the little girl told to comfort her mother. And the father asked, what did you do to comfort her? Father thinking that she doesn't know that she died. She told, I climbed on her sat, her, in her, sat in her lap, and I cried with her. That's the comfort. We need to go. We need to go to comfort somebody. Jesus is asking us to visit a couple of people. You know, this is important this morning. We read that from Matthew chapter 25. Those people are totally discouraged people. A bunch of people that we see here, they are totally discouraged. They are hungry. They don't have any food. They don't have any water to drink. They are naked. 
They are strangers. Then they are sick. And they are in prison. What kind of people they are. They don't have any of this. Like we have everything today. But they don't have nothing. They have nothing. They don't have any of this. And Jesus is asking. Listen to this. This is important. This is a message. Jesus is asking us to go and visit them. Did you hear that? Yes? Did you hear that? Yes? Can you all stand for a moment? And read the scripture. Matthew chapter 25 verses 35 to 36. Let's read that. For I was... I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Please be seated. So Jesus is asking us to visit this group of people. And he says, I was hungry. That means a couple of people. Those who are living in hunger. And they need food. And today missionaries go there to that part of the globe where hunger is. Now hunger is a huge issue. There are millions of children dying every year. Hunger is a huge issue. There are missionaries going, you know, they are going for a reason to go and make sure that they have food supply. And I was thirsty and you gave me drink. There are mission organizations who are involved in establishing good drinking water, sanitary facilities. Why do they do it? At times we question them. Oh, they can't go and tell the love of Jesus. Why do they need to, you know, dig wells and they, why do they need to work on these projects? Bible says, Jesus says, and he says, I was a stranger and you took me in. A couple of homeless shelters in the city. They just take people, those who are wandering in the, on the roads and the streets. They don't have a place to live. I was naked and you clothed me. There are donation boxes kept in different parts of the city. Have you seen that? To donate the old cloth? In how many of our houses the cloth is piling? And I need to submit, in my house the cloths are piling actually. We don't give the old cloth. And we don't use them. I think it's a sin. We don't give and we don't use them. Keeping more than what we need is a sin. How many, do, how many cloths we can wear at a time? Sure. Just one. And how many pairs we have? It's important. It's important. Those donation boxes, when you go and throw your old clothes, unused ones, they are going to clothe somebody. Jesus said that. We need to do that. It's not only about, you know, it's not only about you know, growing in our spiritual maturity that's important, but what is more important is just to leave, just to leave what we speak. And he says, I was sick and you visited me. Hospitals, senior homes, the ministry we do in the senior home, it's important. I want you to come there because Jesus wants you to come there. How many of us go and visit people in the hospital? We don't do it. And sometimes we think that oh, it's, it's only in our nation it's needed, but it's more needed here. Senior homes. How many senior homes? There are residents living in senior homes. They don't have one visitor throughout the year. People come and people send money. So that they are taken care. Nobody cares. Not even one visitor comes. When we were in Fredericton, I mean, I don't need to say that in the past, but then I just want to say that. 
we went to a senior home of 250 bed there. And the chaplain there was in tears, telling us, giving us a list of 40 members, and telling us, can you go and visit them? They don't have one visitor coming and seeing them throughout the year. Jesus is telling us, I was in prison, prison ministry, very important ministry. They are the people, they need encouragement. And you know what? They don't come to us, but we need to go. Jesus walked into the pool of Bethesda. 38 years, man who was lying down in the, at the side of the pool of Bethesda for how long? 38 long years. And Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do? And he said, what is your problem? He said, Lord, I don't have a single person to throw me into the pool when the angel of God comes and stares the pool. I don't have anybody. 38 long years. Jesus went and visited them. Jesus crossed the river and he went into the land of gatherings. And there came a man who was living in the tombs, who was possessed with so many evils. He came running to Jesus as Jesus went there. Jesus crossed the river and he went to meet that particular individual. You know, they won't come to us, but instead we need to go, we need to go and encourage somebody. You know, somebody out there, they need a touch of us. They need our touch. Someone out there, they're totally discouraged. And you know what, they're planning to end their life, but they need you and me to go and just to stand with them. You know, this morning I believe God is speaking to us. So number one way to encourage is by our words. Number two is action. What is number three? By prayer. By praying, you know, prayer, listen to this, is a powerful tool or a powerful weapon against discouragement. Can you say that with me? Prayer is a powerful weapon against discouragement. I want to read from Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 and 5. I thank my God, Paul says, Paul writes, saying, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the time, from the first day until now. You know what Bible says? You know what Paul says? I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you. Prayer is a very powerful weapon against discouragement. And I just want to you know, quote this prayer before I close. The prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples. Jesus was talking to the disciples about the kind of death that he is going to encounter. And Jesus was also telling them, when the shepherd is gone, the sheep is going to be scattered. And thieves are going to come and they will capture you and they will kill you. They will destroy you. But do not worry. I will go to my Father and I will send the Holy Spirit, the encourager, the comforter. So I believe certainly they were all kind of, you know, totally discouraged. Disciples were not understanding what Jesus is trying to tell. They do not really understand Jesus is going to be captured and crucified and we are going to be killed. For what reason we followed God? And they were totally discouraged. And Jesus, understanding their discouragement, he was praying for the disciples. One read that scripture from John chapter 17, verses 9 to 12. In fact, the whole chapter is the prayer of Jesus for his disciples. It's an amazing prayer. Let's read a couple of verses from there. Jesus is saying, 
I pray for them. Here, them refers to the disciples. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me. He's praying to the Father. We are talking about prayer, driving out discouragement. He's praying to the Father. Lord, I thank you for the people, the bunch of people, the 11, 12 people that you have given in my hand. For they are yours. And all mine are yours. And yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. You know, Jesus was making their prayer for disciples. When they were discouraged, Jesus was right there praying for them. Prayer is a third way of encouraging somebody. You know, I believe God is calling the church to pray for some people, those who are discouraged in their lives. There are people discouraged, maybe here in this nation or somewhere else, or maybe in your own family. I don't know the reason, but probably she just lost the job. Probably she would have got separated in her relationship just now. She needs your prayer. Or probably he would have just got arrested in a crime that he has committed. The family and children are struggling. The financial burden is so high on her, on him. And he or she feels like ending his life or her life. For some reason, people are discouraged. You know, there are many prayer requests we receive in the ministry. And we need more people to pray. We need more people to pray. You know, how many people I can be in touch with them, you know, keep praying and reporting them and getting the report from them. I need all of you. That's the reason we are trying to put all the prayer needs in in a common place where we can pray. We get more, more prayer requests, more, more prayer needs. You know, the ministry of encouragement, listen to this this morning before I close. The ministry of encouragement is like oxygen to the soul, as John Maxwell put it. That's what he says. It's like an oxygen to the soul. You can think about, you know, if you cut up the oxygen supply, how, how we suffer. When you stop encouraging somebody, people suffer. People struggle. Encouragement is like a medicine. Encouragement is like a medicine. Someone going through depression can easily can, can come out if we really sit next to them and keep encouraging them. Keep encouraging them through the word of God. You know, think about it. I just want you to visualize this before we close. We are all running a race. We are all running a race. We are given a time. And we are trying to do our best before we reach the end line. We are all running our race. But if you turn this side and the other side, it's not only you. There are many people running with you. There are many people running with you. Some are sick. Some people are totally given away. Their life they, they think that it's not worth living. They think that, you know, they don't have enough financial ability. They, they think that, you know, they don't, they don't just look like somebody and they're not able to do anything. They are discouraged. They don't have a job. And God is telling us, look at somebody who's not privileged as what you are and what we are today. Can you encourage? Three ways. By talking to them. By our action. By praying for them. And I believe God is calling us to do the ministry of encouragement. We may not be talented at times. 
We may not have, be having the ability, but we can encourage. We can encourage. Everyone is in need of encouragement. Shall we all stand for a moment?